Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. We'll just read them all this morning. Thank you, Lord. 1 John chapter 2. I have set my life before I leave this life. You know, they talk about a bucket list. What do you, what do you want to do before you leave this life? It's very carnal. It's very worldly. But, but on the other hand, there's a, there's a parallel in the spirit realm of doing, running our race and finishing our course is what we would call it. And um, um, my, my so-called race is to live fearlessly, to not be afraid of any man, any news, any report. So, and that wouldn't be because I'm great, but because I'm so in Him. I, I'm so confident of the end of anything that everything is turning out amazing that I would live fearlessly in my endeavor to please God. Y'all want to please God? We want to please God. I want to please God. In other words, it, everybody in here, even Justin's 35 or 6, and so that's old enough to know better. And and uh, Barry's older than that. So everybody in here is like, okay, we've got to the place in our life where uh, we're putting foolish things aside. I want to please God. I pleased me. I kind of ran that little course. I, you know, I rode my motorcycle and I climbed the mountain and I, whatever else you did that you said, I got to do this before I go. Now it's like, I want to please God. We could go eat steak and potato every once in a while too. You know, he wouldn't mind. But other than that, so, um, uh, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about days of heaven. And I, I've just taken that as my, as my, uh, my life mold or whatever, to have days of heaven on earth. To step over into heaven, everybody just says, oh, that's going to be when it all changes. But I just maintain that even though there's no devil in heaven, we have power over the devil. There's no lack in heaven, but we have been given abundance. There's no sickness in heaven, but we, we have uh, uh, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So really, and then sin shall not have dominion over us, Romans says. So it's not like, well, over there, it'll be better. It will be better because we'll be face to face with Jesus. But we have a faith now, a faith now that takes us there. In heaven, you won't be using your faith. It'll be like, it'll be all the time. But in 1 John 2.20, Verse 19 talks about, uh, I, I, John is dealing with an issue there in his fellowship, but then and in verse 20 he finishes off and he says, but you, so he's talking about these people that left and these people that, that weren't with us. He said, but you, you're not like them, you're not of them, but you have an unction, which is the same word for anointing. You have an unction, a spiritual impartation from the Holy One, what does that do, John? Ye know all things. Now, I know that's a bold statement, but everything that's in God that's not in the flesh is a bold statement. It's going to take faith to get around it, but it says, ye know all things. So could we point to ourselves and say that of ourselves? I know all things. The Word says we have the mind of Christ. You know, we don't operate out of it all the time. We should, and we potentially, we, we can, but it's down here. It's that part that's, that when you live from down here, the mind of Christ, this is where He is down here in our belly. And so, you know all things. When concerning the will of God, I know y'all, I know everybody in this room, we want the will of God. Used to, there's a time in your life like, I know God wouldn't want me to have that, but I want it. I want to do it. I want to smoke it, or I want to ride it, or I want to go, you know, whatever, whatever. We, and we said, you know, I really can't say I want the whole will of God, because there are some things that aren't His will, but I just want it. But I believe we've all dealt with that. It's like, that stuff's nasty, and sin will kill you. So uh, uh, we want the will of God. And here it says you can know all things. You can know the will of God. Half of doing the will of God is knowing the will of God. And I don't think, what do you think? Do Christians as a general rule know the will of God? They know don't touch this and don't, don't do that. But do they know where they're supposed to go with their life? They don't. Are they on a track or is every day a surprise like whatever? I believe we're supposed to live above that. How about you? We're supposed to have a purpose-filled life. Not just a meandering life, just like, well, you never know what God will do. Yeah, you do. Or you never know what's going to happen this year with the United States. 
It's crazy out there. Liable to get worse, you reckon? You reckon it's going to get worse as these days start folding in? Here, the Bible says you have an unction, anointing from Holy Ghost, and that unction makes you know all things. In other words, in no matter what the crisis, no matter what the darkness or the confusion, you can pierce right through it. You can cut right through it, and you can know the end of it. You can know how this thing works. You can know the lie that's being told. You can know the scheme that's being plotted against you by the devil. You can know what people are really trying to do to you or get uh, take advantage of you. You can know, you know, you and I know all things. It's a time, it's time to step back and say, I'm going to pray about this because there's another, there's something else going on. And I'm going to know all things about this. I'm going to know before I get skinned or get whopped or get no more mistakes in life that we're recovering from. No more wrong paths that we're having to <laughs> drive, turn, make a U-turn at the first available place, she said, and drive back and re recalculate. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord Jesus said this. We quote it all the time. Matthew chapter 6. And it's, it's, and the way we quote it or the way we approach it is different than what I want to talk about this morning. Praise God. It says in verse 25, he's in a discourse here about uh, lordship. And he says, therefore, I say to you. So he's already talked about a lot of things. And so he sums it up and says, I say to you, take no thought for your life. Now, that's the English. The, the word there, thought, is self-promoting or self-increasing thought, no anxious thought. In other words, it's all about me. So I'm taking a thought about how to preserve myself, how to make myself look good and come out. Take no thought for your life, what, Lord Jesus, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the body more than meat or flesh and the body than raiment? He said, take no thought about those three things. But he didn't say, take no thought, period. He did say, take a thought, but just don't take a thought about those areas. Go, uh, in verse 26, he says, Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit, about 18 inches, into your stature? I'm just looking for an inch or two. I've lost an inch or two, and I'd like to just get back to short. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't want to be below short. Hallelujah. And why take ye thought for raiment, for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore? Conclusion, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Back to thought. Therefore, take no anxious thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? These are the thoughts of the world. This is what they're thinking about. Now, they're not just thinking about, you know, clothing every day or eating every day. But it, what it's talking about is that their thought life does not rise above that level. Isn't that a pretty low level of thinking when you're just thinking, what are we going to eat today? Well, everybody wants to know what are we going to eat today because you've got to go make a decision. But he's talking about their people that meditate and think about and dwell on what could we eat? What, could, what would taste good to the tongue? What's the atmosphere of that particular restaurant? What, is the, what could we have for dessert? Thinking about it. Or let's go shopping and let's, let's shop. Or let's, you know what he's saying here, that it never gets above. What is the Lord saying today? Or wonder what the will of the Lord is for me today. He's saying you got to have a higher thought than what you should eat and drink and that level. Where shall we go? And then he said, uh, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. Now here it is, verse 33. Here's the thought he wants us to take. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Take thought about the kingdom of God. Meditate on the kingdom of God, on the will of God, on the purposes of God, 
on the plan of God for your life, for the course that you're to run and the race you're supposed to run. He said, take thoughts about that and and I'll feed you. I'll clothe you. I'll give you the best dessert you've ever had. Brother Hagin would sit around sometimes when he was at, with ministers and uh, they said he wouldn't talk. Patrick Norris talks all the time about it. you try to engage him. You know, what about this scripture and what do you think about that rapture and what do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But said you'd get him over on uh, Houston's, the restaurant that was in uh, Tulsa and they had one in, uh, in uh, Nashville and they had a certain dessert. And you could say, Brother Hagin, I mean, the most spiritual man of his time, possibly. And you, you wouldn't talk, but you'd talk to me, what about that dessert at Houston's? And said he would light up. He would glow. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that stuff's good. So it's not like we're not thinking about these things and that it's sin. But, you know, he'd already thought a great deal, Brother Hagin had, about the course of his life, the plan for God of, of God for his life, what he should do, what he should say, what he should do. He'd already put that first, and the Lord was taking well care of him, giving him his favorite dessert at Houston's. So it's not like I got to go to a monastery or I, or I can be in the world. You just go to got to think about the thoughts of the Lord, the kingdom, and then he'll embellish and increase what you wear, where you'll go, what you'll drive in, what you'll live in. That stuff will come because he said, you know, Father knows you have need of these things. That's, right. That's little stuff. That's just the aside. It's attached to what God wants you to have. So um, uh, we got to know what thoughts to take. Sometimes you got to harness your thoughts about, I'm thinking too much about this. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. It's like, oh, you thinking about wild women? You thinking about uh, what you could smoke? What do you think? Are you thinking about bad things? No, I'm just thinking about all the time about where could we eat lunch today? Or what, you know, what, wonder what Publix has got on sale in the, in the fish, seafood department. These thoughts are real. You go down the aisle and you go, well, should I eat the cod or the salmon? Well, it's on sale. Well, how much per ounce? Well, I don't know what's the breading got in it, you know, and you get to thinking, you know, and you're in there an hour. I know, I've been in there an hour. Shopping is a pleasure. But you can't do that every day, if you can do it any day. Romans chapter 8. I want to ask you, because you're the saints this morning, what are you aware of the call and the demand on your life? I mean, we, we know all the desserts at Houston's, or at Applebee's, or, you know, all that. But are you aware of the call on your life? Is that, what, is that what grips your thought life? Getting up and saying, God, there's a call on my life. There's a course I'm supposed to be running. Lord, is there anything I should know about this day before I start? Now, wouldn't that be a change of thinking? Lord, I'm tuning in. Who's going to meet me today? Who am I going to run into today? I ran into someone the other day, and uh, and just uh, and just it just you could just tell that it was just an intersection that you could have never anticipated, and began to tell this person about uh, Debbie and me and our testimony of getting the Holy Ghost, and it just changed this person's life. You could just tell it just turned things around to hear about spiritual things. Because probably in their world, they were not talking spiritual things. And we're all hungry for that. But the world's real hungry for it. You may think they're just interested in talking about the desserts at Houston's. But they're not. That's just all there is. That's all, there, that's, all that's out there. But they really want to talk about what's God saying. Religion says that everything happens for a reason. Have you all talked to people that say that? You know, everything happens for a reason, and it's almost always following something negative. So I want to tell you that the truth is the Bible says that what the devil meant for evil, God turns it for good. But God didn't mean us to have a hard time. I am aware, though, that, well, let's look in Romans. We'll, we'll look in Romans first, chapter 8, and then we'll go there. So it, it might fit better. Romans chapter 8, uh, look in verse 13. Uh, well, this Romans 8 is a good chapter. You could just fill up in Romans 8 and spend all day one verse at a time. 
It says in verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, talk about what Jesus was talking about. What are we going to eat? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. That's pretty stark. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, let me see if I'm in the right verse, yeah. Ye shall live. Here it is, verse 14. Why, Lord? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the, the word here is mature sons of God. We're led by the Spirit of God. Point yourself and say, be led. Be don't, don't lead, be led. Don't. Think thoughts that give a chance for God to lead. Open a conversation that says, Lord, I'm yours today. What would you like to do? I can't go to the mission field today and I can't give a million dollars today. But what would you like me to be thinking about concerning this day? Because you know all things and it's amazing what he'll tell you. It's amazing what thought pattern he'll bring to you to think about. And then later on in the day, boom, you had, you'd already thought about it. You'd already kind of put that on the front of the stage and it fit with somebody that day. We're talking about being led by the Spirit of God. It didn't like, well, I didn't hear go to China or didn't hear go to Brazil. No, I just heard. Think about the power that we've been given over sin or something or healing, how easy it is and how that day will go that way in God. They that are led, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, it doesn't mean that if we're not led, that we're not sons. It just means all you're going to get is heaven. When you leave, you're going to be you're going to get to go to father's house. But sons on earth, you're going to act and live like an ambassador, a representative of God as a son or daughter of God. Here's what John 530 says. He said, the Lord Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Here it is. Because I seek not mine own will. What will I eat? What will I drink? But the will of the Father which hath sent me. So it's talking about tuning in to the will of God and being led by God. Now we're talking here about everything's turning out amazing. And people think, saying, you know, everything happens for a reason completely discounting the devil. But I believe that even at that, sometimes, often, many times, God will use what the devil meant for evil. Shouldn't have come, but it did. And he'll teach us or he'll instruct us through that. I'm reminded of Moses, how this, this man of God, the greatest man of his day, lived to be old. We've talked about this how he had 12 meetings with Pharaoh. His, the people of God had been in bondage 430 years. How many generations is that? America's only 241 years old. So we're just halfway. You could, you could lose sight of God in 430 years. So, so Moses, or God had to have a man that got it right, that didn't muff it, didn't blow it. And so the Bible says that he kind of took Moses off the shelf and put him on the backside of the wilderness and just let him meditate his life. You go, God, that's a waste. That's a waste. But what he did is he came back and he talked to Pharaoh 12 times and it evoked the very deliverance of the people of God and it changed the world. Um, let's just look at that in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm real fascinated with this about, well, how come my life is not turning out amazing? Well, because there's a thought process that first has to be put in place where we think right so God can make it amazing. In other words, you cannot be thinking about, is this dress too short or, you know, is my haircut just right? Or, you know, uh, do you think a little, a little highlight through my, you know, this would make me this? All day long. Did you know there's people that's all they think about? Yeah, I was thinking the other day about people that are in Belk or in Ulta or whatever. That's all they talk all day. 
Oh, you look so good in that. Or, the, or this would go good with that. I mean, it's their job. They have to do it. But they are completely in this wavelength of being, of being on the flesh. And uh, uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm, you know, um, let's, let's come up a little, lev- a little higher level. If I gave you a plan, if I gave Joey a plan, I said, Joey, here's a 12-point plan. It's going to take you two years to do it. And here's, here's these 12 lines. And, I, and at the end of it, this is what you'll have. And here's the 12 steps to it. Joey would see the progression. He could look through there and say, well, I do this and I do that and I do this. And it'll make me, and at the end I'll have this. But what if we just said, Joey or anyone, I'm going to give you one thing to do. And I'm not going to tell you where we're going with it. I'm not going to tell you what the end of this is. Just trust me and do this. And Joey looks at that and says, you know, I'm not interested in this. Where's this going? What's the end of this? I'm reminded of of, uh, Noah. You know, the Bible says that he pounded out a boat, which there was no rain. He pounded out a boat for a hundred years, not knowing that God was going to do something big with water and not knowing that he was going to do something with redemption. The Bible says that he took, undertook a lot of persecution, that they hammered him, and not one person believed him. He preached righteousness. He was the original preacher of righteousness. Not one soul believed him unto conversion. And on the appointed day, they shut the door, and they, were pound, they didn't pound on it until it started raining. And then they wanted in. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm trying to keep this straight here. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. You know, he didn't know the end of this plan. Verse 17. He didn't know what God was doing with redemption. He just heard, take your son and sacrifice him. That's a very, you know, there's no reward in your mind where you can say, okay, I'm going to do this, but it's going to pay off big. He trusted God. Are we, are we trusting God with the big plan, or do we have to know how this is going to play out day by day so we can be comforted on a daily basis? Okay, I know where this is going, and I can see the progress we're making, and I see the little chart, I see the little progress report, and I'm good with it. What if we had no progress report, and God just said, I want you to follow me daily obedience? I want you to hear me and go do it and never question where I'm going with this. Just trust me. That's a different level of living. Would you all agree? You, that's a, that is the led, by, they are the sons of God led by the Spirit. It's like, I don't care where we're going with this. I'm just in it. And it could be that 40 years in the wilderness where God was draining stuff out of Moses, he was a hot shot. We'll look at this. And he, 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 had, he was a hot-tempered man. He killed an Egyptian. He had the whole thing. But God used him after 40 years. He went into Pharaoh, and he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. Pharaoh just could, just could scratch his ear, and if the guard saw it and said, oh, that's the killing that's the, that's the kill this man signal and just take his head off and he'd be gone and nobody would think about it. He had to have it. Um, let me go back. Verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting, here's how he was able to do it, Accounting that God was able, didn't say that he promised, but that he was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now here is an example of everything's turning out amazing and everything that's not amazing. My son, I just killed my son, but God will raise him up. Everything that's not amazing is still turning. You see how this thinking got him through it, this faith thinking like, I trust God. 
So he just had me kill my only begotten son. But this is turning out amazing. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Make sure I'm on the... Yeah, here we go. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave command concerning his bones. Here we are, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, the Hebrews, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You could see what he was thinking about. He wasn't thinking about the pleasures of what he was born into. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect on the recompense of the reward. So he had changed his thought life. He wasn't thinking like everybody in the palace, which he was privy to. He was a son of Pharaoh now. He could have had everything, but he thought about the things of concerning his life. He thought about what is God's plan for my life, and it changed everything. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest that he destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as on by dry ground, when the Egyptians, the saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And it goes on and on. It's talking about people of faith here, the Faith Hall of Fame here, that didn't question God, even though it looked bad, even though it didn't look normal, and said, this is turning out amazing, and I'm going to go with God, even though it was not amazing in the going. It's a rare person. It's a rare believer that can do this. Almost everybody succumbs to the mental, the emotional, to the temporal, to the flesh, and says, this hurts, I don't understand, this can't be God, I don't, I, and, and they bail, and it doesn't turn out amazing. So we have a whole generation of Christians that live very ordinary and very worldly lives. Nothing extraordinary. Our divorce rate, our everything rate is, is the same in the church right now as it is in the world. And it's time for the church to be the church. Would you all agree? It's time. And you go, well, when, when are they going to do it? Well, they is us. And now is when. I'm thinking about Elijah. How uh, uh, he was by the, remember that story in 1 Samuel? Uh, he's by the brook. Uh, Cherith or Kareth or however you say that, never knew. And the brook dried up. And he wasn't doing anything wrong, and it's like the brook dried up. So God tells him, go down and find you a widow woman. And he finds her. And uh, uh, he went through a lot. He had to believe God. He told the woman, give me your bread that you're going to eat and die. And God multiplied the meal, and everything turned out amazing. Remember later, so he trusted God because later he had to face Ahab. He had to face Jezebel, and he had to face the 300 prophets of Baal. And he called down fire. I mean, 350 prophets, they all had swords because the Bible says they cut themselves trying to please their God. And so they could have taken him out at any moment, but he never flinched. And then later, the Bible says, and it's even recorded in James, how he spoke one time to the heavens, don't rain for three and a half years, and it never sprinkled. And then he turned it again and said, rain, and it did. He had to get something in him during these times of nothing happening so he would be unflinching in the day of the test or the day of the victory. Now we'll go to Romans chapter 8. I'm asking you this morning, just as this as a thought, is why do Christians live ordinary lives? 
Why do you see Christians, I see them, that live completely ordinary lives? They're as fearful, they're as broke, they're as, uh, 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 as diseased or, or whatever as anybody. Why is that? And I'm going to say that I believe it's because they don't know what to do with their lives. They don't get up in the day saying, I'm here on purpose. There's a plan from God for my life, and I'm going to engage it today. Even if nothing exciting happens, even if nothing significant happens, something's being worked out of me, and something's being worked into me, and there will be a day of reckoning where I can pass the test for God. Where I can speak to the heavens and say, you'll not rain. I can speak to the storm and say, peace be still. I can speak to the loaves and say, be multiplied and they'll feed 4,000 men. They say that what happens in the Olympics on the day of the Olympics is nothing, is only a reflection of what happened for day after day and month after month before the Olympics in training, in suffering. And that's exactly how it is for us. But we don't have to suffer because there's no Olympics. But in the Holy Ghost, we're led by the Spirit of God. They that are the sons of God are led by God. You know you're being led to pay the price. Aren't y'all being led to read the Bible and meditate it? Knowing there's no... Like, well, what am I doing this for? And God said, well, there's a day coming and I'll need you to be strong in this area. Oh, okay, God, well, I'll do it then. How about if he didn't tell you there's a day coming? He just told you to meditate the Word. What if he told you to cast out devils in somebody else? And, but he says, I need you to master this because someday or in some situation you go, okay, God, since I know you need me to do that, I'll do that. What if he just said, do it? in the written word, and you did it based on that alone. You would be accounted with Noah, with Abraham, with Joseph. I think it's powerful. I think it's a rare Christian that'll do it. They'll do it because it's in the written word. They didn't have to have a spoken word that said, Michael, I'm calling you to do something special and I need you to get ready. Lord, what is it? Well, I'm going to give you detailed things so you'll know exactly how this is going to play out. And I said, okay, good, good, Lord. And he said, no, I changed my mind. I'm not going to tell you anything. Just do it. What would we say? I'll do it anyway, Lord. Romans chapter 8. We're winding this thing up. Praise God. Which that means nothing. Hallelujah. For we are saved, verse 24... We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. I'm going to read that again. We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? There's lots of stuff that's out there that we're seeing not. But we know inside. We have an unction from the Holy One. And we know all things. We know the time is near. We know that there's a revival coming. And I believe it will be a short but powerful work. And we will not have time in that hour to say, It really did come. It really did happen like they said. I better get ready. But there's fear in us. There's unbelief in us. There's... Uh, uh, all sorts of things in us, and we don't have time to work it out and then work it in. And the time being short, we miss the window. So only those that have said, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of those five virgins that put oil in my lamp. I'm going to go ahead and tank up before the master comes. Amen? Okay, let's go on here. Verse 26, uh, verse um, uh, 25. Uh, verse 26, likewise, so in this same line where he says, if we, uh, if we hope for what we see, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The word there is weaknesses. Anybody got some weaknesses? Everybody in our flesh. We, we, we were working stuff out, working stuff in. Likewise, the Holy Ghost helpeth our infirmities. Here it is. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, 
but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now here's, here's my revelation that God gave me. Is this verse right here in verse 26. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. Would you all say amen to that? That when, you're, when you have a call on your life, you're not just getting up thinking, can we go to Belk today? Can we go to Parisians today or whatever? Where shall we shop or where shall we eat or what should we drink? Our thoughts are, Lord, what do you want to do with me today? There's just so many days. Every day is precious. What is in this day? And so you go to pray about that and you don't know how to pray. Like, should, Lord, should I, what should I, where should I go? Well, what should I do? We don't know enough. Here he says, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. I've been meditating the New Testament pattern for praying. I know in the Gospels that he said to pray, but they, those people were not born again. But now here we are, born again and spirit-filled. He said, I want you to, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. How do we know all things? Because we pray in the Holy Ghost. We stir up the call of God. He brings to us the specific direction, the specific unction, the specific leaning and leading, and says, do this, go there, daily obedience. We're on the course that God's put us on, each one of us individually, and then as a church, corporately, as a family, we're on a course, and then as a as Christians, we're on this course, of course, and we pray in the Holy Ghost and we find out the will of God. I believe, this is what I believe, that you can't be led unless we pray as we ought. Let me read it again. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. He's saying there, we ought to know. We ought to know, but we can't know unless we pray as we ought. How do you pray as we ought? He talks here about groanings which cannot be uttered. We got to pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, I believe everything just happens for a reason. And then we see other Christians go down. We see them, their lives. It's like, what happened? Well, God must have a reason for that. No, you didn't pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to take it even further. And this, this is just a little bit edgy, but I'll just take it out there and just y'all think about it. Why do people have problems like uh, they have, maybe they have children that have birth defects? And that's a real question in theology. Did God do it because of sin, you know, sin of the parents or sin of the kid or whatever? And all that stuff's bogus. God didn't do anything. You go, well, then how come it happened? Well, in a perfect world, in a right world, in a Christian world where we do what the Word says to do, we would have what the Word says we'll have. We should be all spirit-filled as we're parents, and we should pray out our pregnancy and our marriage. Like, like okay, you married Doodle Dog, you married him, and 10 years later you don't know if he's saved? I asked somebody this week, is your ex, is your ex saved? I don't know. It's like, but you're a strong Christian. What, what, what's this all about? You could tell this person didn't have the Holy Ghost to pray it out. Although you didn't need that, it's in the Word. Don't be unequally yoked. But my point is, is if we prayed in the Holy Ghost, everything would turn out amazing. Isn't that what it says there in Romans? Look in verse 28, it says, uh, We know all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are, who are the called according to His purpose. He says that where? After He says, Holy Ghost will help you take hold with you with groanings as you pray out in the Spirit, Holy Ghost will guide your path. You are led by the Spirit of God. You will be led. Don't go there. Don't marry Him. Uh, pray this birth defect off. Take authority over that. Don't let it happen. And it won't. And you go, well, how come some people have kids that are, you know, this and have that? We just didn't know. We just didn't know. Eric was born with something. And uh, they said, well, he'll have to have surgery. 
And Debbie and I, we didn't know much, but we just had the Holy Ghost a year when he was born. No, almost two years. 81. Yeah, almost two years. It would be, And so we didn't know much, but we were on fire. <laughs> we were on fire. So it's like, okay, y'all pray with us or whatever. And we spoke to that condition and boom, it was gone. And that's how it's supposed to work. And our businesses and our children, we're not supposed to just pray, Lord, be thy will, do something. We pray it out. And then revelation comes. He starts talking to you. We'll take authority over this spirit or, or whatever. Or, or uh, one time uh, Colin got a, he went to Mexico and ate a chicken brain uh, tortilla. I wouldn't do that no matter. <laughs> I'm telling this story. I'll make it up as I go. <laughs> no, but anyway, but a spirit-filled missionary said, well, you know, that's it. He got an amoeba, couldn't get rid of the diarrhea, and someone said, uh, uh, uh. So he had, this went on for like two, three weeks, maybe longer, and I went to a ladies' retreat in way south Texas, long way from Seminole, and That's I just it. happened to be, tell this lady that my son had just got back from the mission and that he could not get rid of the diarrhea, go away for a day or two and then come back. And she said, oh, honey, go to the uh, f to the health food store and get crushed black walnut shell pills. And so we did. And but see, we were praying in the Holy Ghost yeah. back then. We were hard after it. We'd get up every morning and just lock ourselves away before we started our day. We were just fresh. I mean, we were young, but we just prayed in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the dumber you think you are, the more you'll rely on Him. And it's just it's good to be dumb in your own estimation and completely, because it says, He'll helpeth our weaknesses. And I'm telling you now, family, this is the bottom line. Forget the rest of this. I got all sorts of stuff. But the bottom line is, if you want a good life, you can't be hoping and praying. You got to be praying. And the way we pray... We make our requests made, uh, made known unto God and all that. But a lot of life, the led part, the going part, the fulfilling your course is praying all the time in the Holy Ghost. Prayer without ceasing is praying in the Holy Ghost. We don't do it enough. I can tell you, we don't, y'all don't, because we don't know enough. There's stuff that comes up in y'all's lives, in our lives, and it's like we should know what the end of that is before it ever came. We should know about this. What is this that's unknown? What is this that requires a decision? What is this that has a potential power over us and we're, we're helpless or we're like, oh, y'all pray for us because we got an issue here. We got a potential thing here. It's like, I get that. I'm not condemning that, but I'm just saying a lot of that wouldn't be there if we had been spending time in the Holy Ghost and he would be leading us around it or through it or over it, or there would be an amoeba conquering walnut shell cure that we would hear about and boom. Because, I mean, you might not could hear that in your dreams. <laughs> Crushed walnut shell capsules to fix an amoeba. I still don't know how in the world that could happen. You, you just couldn't figure it out even now. But I'm telling you, the boy recovered right away. And it was the answer. However it comes, it was the answer. So let's just say here, uh, I'll say this scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Would you say it with me? All things. God, the Holy Ghost Googles God. That's sacrilegious in a sense. But I'm saying all that God knows, the Holy Ghost says, I'll go check out the deep vaults where all the mysteries have been solved and all the answers are, uh, you pray in the Holy Ghost, that sends me into the vault of God's infinite wisdom and I'll come back. Even here it says, searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. I don't know how that works. I don't know how Holy Spirit goes and searches the deep things of God. It, you know, theologically, I don't know, but he says he does. And it, it says there, he will tell us, he will reveal to us. I hath not seen nor ear heard, 
but God hath revealed it. We got to pray in the Holy Ghost, y'all. You go, well, I do for 10 minutes on the way to work. I think we're talking about more than that. You want to be rich? You want to be healthy? You want to figure stuff out for your kids and your grandkids? You want to retire when you should retire or go into the ministry like you should? You want things to turn out amazing? You got to pray in the Holy Ghost. We got to pray. Amen? Amen. Well, we won't stand up and pray in the Holy Ghost because you know what to do. But I would, I am on a new quest myself. This is, this is pray as ye ought. When I saw that, I said, yep, that's the key. And it's the easiest thing we can do. All right, let's stand up and let's just, let's do it anyway. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost just for a minute. We're praying out the plan. We're praying out the plan of God for your life, for your life, for your life. We're praying as we ought. Monda bregada bu tebede su le brigede su. Ore bero si de bro shadoda branda bagai so te vede so di. Nunda bruke dure bu shagadi tozi. Manda bregato zira brigete zo de bo sidi. Enembo de de so gadito sidido zere bo sidi. What did you see? What did you see? I saw, I saw us piercing through a barrier. One of those, uh, the, the, the U.S. has got a, a missile now. It's called a bunker busting. And it'll go down to bunkers that are 60 feet underground, this, this, this missile, this bomb thing. And it'll bust a I saw us busting through bunkers that had held us outside. And we couldn't get to the end of it and it just pestered us and bothered us and and just was tagging along nipping at our heels and I saw us sending with the Holy Ghost sending that missile into that bunker and blowing it wide open and we just passed through to the other side what did you see? what did you see for River Church what did you see for the kingdom what did you see in the in the unseen realm absolutely absolutely we got out of ourself, our timidity and our fearfulness and our and our uh, lack of confidence. Anybody else? I have many things that I've been unable to show you because you have set yourself in a realm beyond my reach. For I will speak to you and reveal to you according to the Spirit and not according to your soul, saith God. So as you touch over, as you lean in, as you open up the mysteries behind the veil, I will begin to flood you with things that you've never even thought were pertinent to you. But I have assigned to you great positions in my kingdom that you would do business for me as ambassadors in the nations and as, uh, uh, as, as specialists in the unseen realm. But I must, I must have your cooperation and your agreement with me, saith God. For heaven is waiting for the, the authority of the believers that would set it at odds against the dark realm and would set the things that are out of order into order. So give yourself unto me, saith God, and I will give myself unto you. And you will be pleased with the course of your life. And the value of running your race will become clear. And you will see what you have been placed in this generation to do. And it will be a great, great satisfaction to your heart. Amen. Well, amen. Amen. Well, could I have a show of hands? Everybody's going to pray in the Holy Ghost with me this week. Hallelujah. We're going to pray more. And I think it's like this. The more you pray and you get to the end of it, Lord, I can't pray no more. That's all I can do. But you come back the next day to do the same thing and you can go a little further. 
I'm lifting a five pound weight from here to here. I know it's just five pounds and I weigh over a hundred pounds now. I don't know if y'all could tell, but I weigh over a hundred pounds now and I'm lifting this thing and it's heavy as after, after number 20, I am, but I've been pushing it to 25 and it's getting easier. And y'all know how this works. You're, you're exercise buffs. I'm not. And so, but it's the same way in the spirit. Go a little further every day. Amen. Does anybody need prayer before we go? Everybody good? Saturday morning, we're going to meet here at 940. Instead of 915, 940. We're going to pray for the sick from 10 to 11. You know, after we're going to close the door at 11, and then, but whoever's in here, we'll finish them out. And so tell somebody, we're going to pray for you, and it'll change their lives. It doesn't matter that we didn't get everybody healed, seemingly. Don't go by our track record to say, well, hey, we didn't get 100%. I'm telling you, we've, we've got more than a few healed, and God wants to heal more than a few. Amen. We're going for 100%. Curry Blake's on 85% right now, is what he said. He sends people out to pray, and he said about 85%. And they're, you know, and that's counting people that are novices and everybody. We can do it. We can, we can change this city. Amen. Amen. Anything from anybody? We moved, uh, we're not going to have PSST this Wednesday. We're going to move it to another Wednesday. Too many people went to the beach this week. <laughs> and it wasn't me. <laughs> and it wasn't you. <laughs> not yet anyway. Oh, I bless you, Lord, and we bless you for what you're doing, your plan for our lives. And we're grateful that you gave us such a high calling. And Lord, we enter in to that calling. And thank you for Holy Ghost helping us and taking hold with us. Lord, we yield ourselves this week and the days ahead to your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.